Our club, like many others, has an excellent physical health program. First team doctor Roy Carey literally wrote the book on sports medicine and Victorian hockey. Dr. Malcolm Clark supports the club with supplies and training in first aid and the use of our defrib machines. And of course, we have a host of physiotherapists and specialist coaches supporting the playing group. Last year, however, a tragedy struck. One of our junior players took their own life, and on reflection of that terrible event, we realized our mental health support could and must be improved. Through the counsel of Dr. Michael Cargreg, the club embarked on a groundbreaking program to equip a cross-section of our members with the knowledge and skills to offer first aid for mental problems. Welcome to the Camberwell Hockey Podcast. This week, Tom Winter presents Liz Grant, Kerry Hendry, and Julia Patterson, three of the more than 20 members who have completed the Mental Health First Aid Training Program. You'll hear how the working group came about, its objectives, and reflections of the training from the perspective of our three guests. Details of the training course our members completed are available at mhfa.com.au. I was one of the club's participants myself and can highly recommend the course. Over 4 million people have completed it, so check it out. Here's Tom. This week we're touching on a more serious topic. We will be discussing mental health. Mental health is an issue that we are becoming increasingly aware of in our community. In 2019, Camberwell Hockey Club looked to empower our community mental health support by training over 20 people as mental health first aiders. People that make up a cross-section of our club to ensure a wide reach. Today, we have three of our mental health first aiders joining me for a discussion. Kerry Hendry, Julia Patterson and Liz Grant. Liz is first up. Welcome to the Campbell Hockey Podcast. Hi, Tom. Liz, for those who aren't aware, uh, can you give us a quick rundown of your involvement at our hockey club? My children started in Minky. And I've got a son and a daughter and they were both playing and then just through playing with them, I went on to the junior committee for a number of years and was responsible for the uniform there, even when we used to have the shop down at Matlock. And then after that, I was the women's chair for two years in between Rosemary and Sarah. And then now I'm on the steering committee for Mental Health First Aid. Wow. So a very strong involvement in the club. Would you like to give your two children a quick shout out? I know that one of them particularly would love uh, a little bit of a call out on this podcast. I have a daughter, Hayley. Uh, she used to play, but she's not playing at the moment. And then I've got Nick and he plays as well. And my husband, Jeff, plays too. As we look towards the mental health aspect, I know that you have a professional background in this space. Can you let us know why mental health is important to the, ho- the hockey club? For those that don't know, I actually work as a psychologist. So um, that is my profession. So I deal a lot in helping people with their mental health. But each year, one in five Australians experiences a mental illness. Sport, and in our case hockey, plays a central role in Australian culture, which is reflected in the number of people enrolled to play at our club in a regular year, not a COVID year, and to volunteer across our club. Participation in sport can have direct benefits for the physical and emotional well-being. And as a community-based club, we have a strong commitment to positive mental health. We are also a very social club. So we create connections between our members both on and off the field. Feeling connected to a community is valuable for people. And as we're generally team-based, we're in a unique position to be able to recognise changes in our teammates. The pandemic has heightened uh, mental health issues across the community. And it's important that we have a planned approach for assisting our members both in lockdown and when returning to hockey. People don't always ask for help 
when they need it, and we would like to foster a culture where this is encouraged at Camberwell. And it's important to be able to offer support for our members who may be dealing with mental health issues. Yeah, definitely. There are a number of good themes in that first answer. Community outreach and having a connectedness between our members is obviously big. It's been a big challenge this year in particular. Um, We were just saying before that it's nice to be on a video call, although most people won't see the video. Um, How have you gone away from the hockey side, just finding a connection with people this year? Well, a lot of it obviously online. So being connected probably like a lot of people doing a lot of Zoom meetings and even counselling that I do is online. Trying to, you know, call people. So probably going back to instead of texting is ringing people and actually having a proper conversation, even though you can't always see them, but just checking in with people and friends checking with me. A lot of a lot of chats, really. <laughs> a lot of chats, really. And also <laughs> there's a couple of friends that I can, you know, do a walk with because you're allowed to walk with one person. That's nice just to see yep. someone face-to-face. Yep. And I do, I'm able to go into work sometimes. Great. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get back to hockey sooner rather than later. Uh, when we are talking about Campbell Hockey Club and the mental health first aiders, where did the idea of having the mental health first aiders begin? Okay, so this began because sadly we had a tragedy in our club late last year with the sudden death of one of our very young players. So in order to assist those in our community who were in shock and grieving, we arranged a counselling session with Dr Michael Cargreg. And as part of his speech, Michael suggested a call to action in the form of mental health first aid. So he was explaining that physical first aid is widely accepted within our community. However, most courses don't cover mental health first aid. So as an accredited trainer, he offered to provide some training for us. And looking back on it, we were so fortunate that he was able to give us a face-to-face two-day course in March. And I remember that it was beautiful sunny weather, there were practice matches going on, we were able to mingle with each other over lunch and out on the balcony and it was just gorgeous. Um, So we just got those two days of training in before lockdown. And then following the training, so we had about 20 people did it and the training and we've got some other members that had done training earlier and then as we've been sending out information about our course and, and some other members from our club have also put their hand up that they're trained. So after the training, I sent a survey to the participants and asked if they'd like to be on our steering committee just to work out, okay, we've all done this training, what do we do next? And so we've got a great, vibrant, energetic committee from all areas of the club, as you mentioned, Tom, and some who you are going to interview today. So I thank all of them for their time and their energy and commitment to this positive area of mental health. We had our first meeting on the 13th of May and we've been meeting fortnightly since. So that's how it started. I think having a good cross-section of the club is really valuable. Have you felt just having the committee and meeting at this stage has been useful in and of itself? Um, I think it has because I just think we've all come from different perspectives and we have ideas and we can come to that meeting in a very creative space and just throw out all the ideas and then work out what we are going to do. Obviously, when we first started, we had all these ideas of being able to have speakers and all sorts of things, but we can't do that. So we've had to adapt with COVID. But it is just good and just sort of to reflect on a barometer for the club and how the club's going and how we are trying to keep people connected. And we've got strong links with our communication subgroup as well. So um, that's important. So, yeah, I think it has been helpful. Terrific. Well, you mentioned earlier that Dr. Michael Carr-Greg said that physical first aid is very common, but mental health first aid not so much and it's an area that we need to improve on. From a steering committee level, what can we expect from our mental health first aiders day to day and what can we expect to see in 2021? 
I think what you can expect, because they're all trained, we're all approachable and we'll be there to listen to people. Their role is to listen and provide information and support to people who have any concerns about their own mental health or the mental health of anyone else within the club. So we're planning to, we've taken photos of everyone, so we want to have those put up online with contact details so that people in the club know because they may not know somebody's name but might say, oh, I've seen that person on the sidelines or I recognise who they are and I would feel comfortable to speak to that person. And because there's a range and we've got males and females and we've got all um, from all sections of the club, so we plan to introduce the group. Um, we're planning also on having a page on our website with for mental health and we want to put links there to services that people can access if they need to have them. We're looking at ways of engaging various sections of the club. While we're still in lockdown and when we come back from lockdown, we've done a few things within the community and I think Kerry might explain one of the things that we did uh, recently with our neighbours. We're also really lucky because we have got ongoing consultation with Dr Michael Carr-Gregg and he's helping. He comes to some of our meetings and helps us guide our processes in creating a framework. Um, You're also probably aware that he has done two webinars for us. One was last week and one was few weeks ago and they've been very positively received and because we can record them and then send them on. With in the future, our plan is to have posters and brochures around about mental health, to continue the awareness about mental health, to actually have some speakers come in, um, do some workshops, with whether it's with particular teams or sections or committees, train up team managers, coaches with education and those sort of things, just so that we can really help people within the club and just make it a very safe space and promote that you can, it's good to talk about your mental health. I think that time will be really important in this too, uh, as these things tend to grow organically through the club. As you mentioned at the moment, we have 25 mental health first aiders and hopefully that number will grow. But I think the ability for our members to have open discussions around mental health is really good too. Uh, if I was to notice a change in a teammate or a, another club person or anyone really in the community, what, what do you reckon and recommend that I should do in the first instance? Um, I think what you could do is to approach the person, just sort of assess how they're going and assist with any crisis. Within the Mental Health First Aid Plan, we have an acronym of ALGI, so approaching the person, assessing and assisting, listening and communicate non-judgmentally, giving support and information, encourage the person to get help and encourage other supports. But I think as an untrained person, you can really just approach the person and say, use their name, you know, hi, Tom, I've noticed that um, you don't quite see myself. How are you? Um, is there anything I can do to help? But really just listen to them. And I think you have to be ready for if you do ask them and the, the information that they tell you is what you're going to do with that information. If they do tell you, I am feeling really sad or, you know, i something happened in a relationship or something at work. It's just then to continue to listen to them and to be a friend to them and help them. Maybe that might be linking them into another service or getting another person that they trust to give them some help. Yeah, so just reaching out and having a genuine conversation. Yeah, and it's a genuine conversation. And the really important thing is just to listen to them, really listen to what they're saying to you. And also if they are talking to you, um, they're trusting you with some information that they're giving you. They also may say nothing, everything's fine, and then you might still keep noticing during a game or that they don't stay after the game or they're at training, and so you might approach them again, and it might take a couple of times when you approach them, but it's just important to let that person know that you've noticed that they may need some help. And if if I was to look to become a mental health first aider, how can I do that, and are we looking to run another course at some stage? 
Yeah, well, hopefully we might be able to run courses, but otherwise you, uh, at the end of this podcast, we will have a, the link to the Mental Health First Aid Australia. So you can actually enrol in a course anywhere. And if you were interested in doing it, some workplaces do them and you can just find a course that is near you and anyone can join. Because actually when we ran our course, we also had some people from other sporting organisations, which was great to have um, robust discussion and um, they could talk about what they were doing in their clubs and we could talk about what we were doing. So you can just find one close to you and do it. They are being run online at the moment, but it will be good when they are back face-to-face because there is some group work and some discussion, which is really productive and helpful to be able to do that, I think. I think all of that information is really valuable for our for all of our members. We certainly look forward to hearing more about our Mental Health First Aid Steering Committee. Thanks so much for your time and joining us, and hopefully we'll see you around the club soon. Our next guest for today is Kerry Hendry. Uh, many people already know Kerry through her children and through all she's done around our club. First things first, Kerry, welcome to the podcast. Uh, do you want to give us your history and your experiences with the Campbell Hockey Club? Yeah, so I have um, four children but three who play hockey. I think it started um, about, how old is Max now, 22? Yeah, so it started about 15 years ago. We came back from England and didn't have anything to do and the big sport over there was um, soccer, not AFL and didn't know really know about um, soccer here. So we were directed to come down to Camberwell and uh, he made the last um, uh, tryouts they had then for under nines, I think it was. Loved it and said, can I do this again? And I'm like, well, depends if you're selected. So, <laughs> so and he was and yeah, there you go. And his um, brother has, has followed playing hockey and, and now his big sister is too. And my other daughter is a, was a basketballer and a netballer. So, um, yeah, hockey lost out to that. But, um, yeah, so you've got three out of four. So it's been a long association. I even played once um, in a summer competition <laughs> going down to Monash. Didn't get you back down? Uh, yeah, well, I could have, except I'm a, I actually like playing tennis, so that's my big love and I've done that all my life. So it clashed with tennis, so I had to make a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you probably spent enough time at the club over the season as it is. <laughs> I feel like it's the second home sometimes. <laughs> but obviously not this year. No, it's sad. I do walk past and wistfully look into the fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, yeah, like everyone yeah. Else. well, as long as it's within five kilometres anyway. It is, luckily, yeah. So today we're discussing mental health and it's a very serious topic. So from your end, um, Campbell Hockey Club has obviously developed a great mental health committee. What what drove you to join that committee and what drove you to complete the Mental Health First Aid course? So the Mental Health First Aid course came around at a time there was a lot of uncertainty and we didn't know if lockdown was going to happen. We kind of thought it was going to be uh, in the next couple of weeks. And as it turned out, it was the last weekend that anyone was able to do anything they wanted. So we were really lucky to get it in. I had a free weekend at that time. That was really unusual. <laughs> now every weekend's free. <laughs> and also I just thought I wanted to be able to help mainly my own family, I guess, if there were situations that arose and I just thought you know it's good to have another tool to put in your tool belt and I wanted to know 
what to say or how to um, approach mainly my own children really as a as a parent. So I thought this is a really good opportunity and I thought, yep, I'm going to join um, the other proactive people down there and uh, learn. And that's what I thought, why I thought I would join. And I wanted to um, put back a little bit to Camberwell because seriously, it's been the community that I've been involved in has just been like a second home to me and you know when things when you've got too much to do at home you just shut the door and go down there (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what I've been doing and you know and you have your afternoon teas and you you drop people off and you think I'm just going to drop off and leave and come back but then you end up seeing people that you you know um chat to and you end up staying the whole time and seriously that's been uh, such a positive, positive environment for me, and as well as as my children. So, um, so I wanted to put something back, and I thought, oh, maybe I can do something in, along the mental health uh, line because I like talking to people, and I felt like maybe if people were struggling, I might be able to help. So the committee uh, was formed, and they put. You know, it was you were asked if you wanted to join, and I thought, yes, this is something that I might actually be good at. So, uh, and so I did, and we've had Zoom meetings every couple of weeks, trying to um, uh, work out the best way forward. And um, yeah, it's, it's nice seeing people, even if it is over Zoom, <laughs> and uh, and trying to uh, forge a path in a pretty pretty unknown territory within a within any sporting club I'm not sure that there's many sporting clubs that have um, mental health awareness uh, like Camberwell does I had no idea that it was going to be so relevant uh, to the next few months um, so I have lost my business that I was running uh, due to just um, the situation uh so that's a so you have to look after yourself and then there were four children that I live with who are actually young adults one who was the first school to go into lockdown in in isolation learning from home remote learning that was a challenge although I think he's actually quite enjoying it (laughs) in that he's not getting distracted (laughs) and probably getting a bit more work done so I don't know if that's usual or not but um but it's the missing uh the physical contact with mates that I was really worried about for him that's a very big part of his life and I had another daughter who um had a trip planned overseas and this has been in the planning for two years there were like meeting up with people in different places there were hotels booked there were there were all sorts of things were happening and that was gone so that was this has taught me I think just how to listen a little bit I tend to talk a lot and I think what um, the course has taught me is that listening is really important and even if you can't fix things just having um, the empathy 
to be able to sit and say, yeah, I, you know what? It sucks. I agree. Uh, I, uh, it sucks. But, um, so that was that. And then, uh, I had another, I've got another daughter who is a nurse and works in ICU. So the, the doom that was coming from what was happening was pretty relevant in her life. Um, but having said that, she was the one who was probably most calm about everything. So she's obviously in the right profession. <laughs> um, and, she, and she's still uh, in ICU and um, uh, coping with everything. And then we had to sort of cope with her coming home after being looking after patients who had um, COVID-19. So that was the deal for us. And, and she was reassuring and we were saying, well, you know, at least take your shoes off at the front door sort of thing. You know, we're trying to <laughs> sort it out ourselves. And then I had another, another one who hockey is his life and now it's not. And it's not necessarily been a bad thing because I think that you have to have a real balance and the balance was not there, but it is now. So maybe in for mental health reasons, maybe the, the balance for him is this has been very important. And so, yes, yeah, so um, for me, the, 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 the attending the course has been um, very, very beneficial in um, – me, I guess, um, me learning where all my children are at in their lives, as well as them being able to understand that when things happen, they happen. And if you can't do anything about it, you actually just have to change your course a little bit and try and make things work for you. And that's really what I learned from that. Yeah. Well, it certainly does give everything a whole new perspective. Even looking at your family, such having such grand plans for this year, whether it be holiday, schooling, or just hockey being taken away, and I can certainly sympathise with having frontline worker in the house. My partner's a nurse, and she's actually at work as we speak, and I'm just yeah. sitting here having a having a coffee and chatting away on the podcast. So I can appreciate the difficulty of navigating through all those challenges individually. Yeah, it is, and I don't know what she, what you know, in nursing, I don't know what she sees or what she has to cope with, or, um, but I just encourage her to, when she comes home, come and talk about the day, the night, even, um, get things off her chest, and I think that's worked really well. She sort of debriefs, I guess, a little bit, and um, then can go and forget about things that might have worried her because she's talked about them, yeah. And that's really the gist of everything, you know. You just – I think when you hold things in, it gets um, – it perpetuates in your mind. And if you talk about things, it really, really helps. So that's what I've been encouraging. It's very hard to get teenage boys to talk. <laughs> have you found that just listening is a helpful tool? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I um, suggested one day to um, 
to my 16-year-old, let's go down to the park and kick the football, trying to get him out of the house. He looked at me like I was trying to poke pins in his eyes. I actually thought it was going to be fun, but absolutely not. Um, (laughs) he, He looked at me like that was the weirdest thing anyone has ever asked him to do. I said, come on, let's go down there and and we'll kick the footy. And he's like, I'm not kicking the football with my mum down in the park. And I thought, oh, at least I planted the seed. Maybe one day he'll come to me and say, you know, when you asked me to to kick that football, let's go and do it now. (laughs) I said to him, oh, I'm really offended, not because you won't come, but because you think I can't kick a football. (laughs) So I was trying to to get the conversation going. I knew he wouldn't want to do that. but um. Yeah, so we went for a walk anyway and and no football in hand. (laughs) But, yeah, like conversation is uh, 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 quite humorous most of the time, which is good. And I used to use a lot of the – I know a lot of parents do this too. They use the hockey car trips because you've got them captured in the car and um, they can't escape. So they do talk talk to you a bit then, but I haven't had that for months now. So, yeah, so when they're stuck in their rooms and they're, you know, you think that they're studying and, uh, you know, you hope they are, but, you know, I don't want to go in there and supervise because that, you know, a little bit of a, um, you probably don't do that with teenagers. He doesn't want me in there. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but talking is really important and um, as long as, I can see that the humour is still there and the banter is still there, then I think, yeah. Now, there was an initiative that you led, and I've been told by more than a few people um, it was carried out on behalf of our club to engage with local neighbours. Do you want to explain exactly what that was and, and how it yeah, all went? Um, well, I didn't suggest it to get praise. <laughs> that was not the idea. But I just um, – we, we were just uh, – uh, going forward in our meetings, and I suddenly thought, you know what, there's a whole lot of people within the Camberwell community, and when when you say community, I sort of mean not, a, not only the members, but also the people that surround the club because they, you know, they say have a big part to play in the community side of Camberwell and, and how successful um, hockey has been. Um, throughout the the years and I sort of thought you know when I've walked down to games there are a lot of people that I pass and I wave and say hi how are you going and usually they all wave back and say you know and I can't I never have a chance to stop and have a proper talk because I'm always rushing or being late and you know I can hear the I can hear the hockey balls being hit and I'm sort of anxious to be there and um I suddenly thought, you know what, there's a lot of people that, to me, would be fairly isolated and around the the club and perhaps they don't have anybody to talk to on a day-to-day basis or they don't have anyone checking up on them. Or I just thought, you know what, it's really nice to have someone check in uh, once in a while. So the plot was hatched that we would um, – Use a local, a local um, community florist uh, business, um, B 
because, you know, all businesses are struggling. So the community businesses are, are really important to, to, um, uh, to, to help. And so we used a local girl who was amazing. Um, so she organized these amazing, uh, tulip, um, pot, 31 of them. John Uncles is amazing. He, I approach him because he knows everybody. <laughs> and, um, he, um, uh, arranged with her who to deliver these amazing pots to. I wrote a little note on behalf of Camberwell for each one. Um, with Jane Oldham, she helped, uh, um, arrange that and as well. And then, uh, dropped them off to, um, to, uh, the lovely, uh, Mailing Road Florist, Maison Flowers, I think it's called. The notes and that were so I had an uh, an email address on the card and the email address was because we got actually I forgot to say we did get um ask juniors to uh um draw pictures for the residents so we were trying to get the connection there as well and um and and they did and that that went in the card with a little note and an email address and quite a few emails have come through saying how how much that small gesture has improved their day or improved their week or improved just the hour even. And um, that was really rewarding. That was really rewarding. Yeah. So I hope um, I hope everybody uh, – uh, I know everyone appreciates it. And you don't expect anyone to email uh, their thanks, but it was really nice to know that. Uh, it sort of was appreciated, I guess. Yeah, I will add the tulips were um, orange, <laughs> which was perfect. <laughs> so that was that was when I saw them. I didn't ask for that. When I saw them, I'm like, oh, this is just working so well. <laughs> yeah. The majority said they miss having people around, and they miss the sound, and they miss the noise of the kids in the morning and uh, on a Saturday morning. And, yeah, it was, it was really nice to hear. And I have to admit I'm the same. I've got a Linden Park down the bottom of my street and there's always – they have – not now, but it's dark now and there's no kids walking past going to their footy games and there's no lights on at night and whistles and it's really quiet. And um, I'm really looking forward to to hearing those noises, and to I won't even mind if people park outside my house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So it's interesting. You're so busy sometimes. Before all this happened, you're so busy. You're just getting crossed at a stray car outside your house, or you know, noises up in up until eleven o'clock or whatever. Now you're like wanting all that back. I think that's a, a really nice story and a great way to finish off this section. Look, we really look forward to seeing you and all the Hendries back down at Campbell Hoff Club when, when we are allowed to. Thanks very much, Kerry. This has been really enjoyable. Third member of our mental health committee that we're speaking to today is Julia Patterson. Welcome, Julia. Uh, do you want to start by telling us about your journey to Campbell and then which areas of the club that you're involved in? Hello, everybody. Um, I came to Campbell in about, I think, 2015 in my last year of juniors, and now 
I'm in the women's section. I'm playing goalie for like sort of pennant A and B around there. Um, I'm also one of the canteen team leaders and now I'm on the mental health first aid and LGBTQIA committees. Amazing. So were you a hockey player before your Campbell days? Yeah, I played juniors for Waverley and then the um in my last year of under sixteens I came to Campbell for like they better teams and Obviously, because you can only have one goalie in a team, they sort of ran out of teams there. And yep. it was like, well, I'd done hot shots. So it was like, well, Campbell's in hot shots, so I'll go to Campbell. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you obviously have just jumped straight into the club, and it's really great to have someone like yourself join at, join at Campbell and just get so heavily involved. Um, it's great to have you on here for a chat as well. So, do you want to just talk us through what? drew you to sign up to being on the mental health committee and completing the training? Mostly sort of, I've always sort of had an interest in the general field. Like um, my grandma was a, like a disability um, teacher. So I kind of always had an interest in like that sort of area. Um, and then I've just about finished a psych degree at uni. So um and I'm planning to sort of like go into research in that. So obviously that's a connection. And I thought mental health would be, first aid would be a really good way to sort of have some like tangible um, help and like implementation of like what I've just spent four years learning out of a textbook. And also um, with my own, like I've had my fair share of own mental health issues. So it's kind of, and now I'm sort of, I guess in like recovery mostly, I think it's, a nice way to sort of share my experience and my knowledge from experience, like living it myself and also doing a uni course in it. I think it's a nice way to sort of like give back. Yeah, and I assume you've been completing uni at home like the rest of us. How have you found the tie between this committee and navigating through the whole COVID scenario? Oh, uh, like, well, I mean, it's all kind of a mess, to be honest, but I think it's kind of... It's kind of, I find it kind of nice to have like this mental health committee as kind of like a check-in and to talk to other people that aren't like my sort of little bubble of like psych students at uni because we're all, you know, sort of losing it. So it's kind of nice to one, talk about um, mental health in general and to sort of have that way to connect with other people that aren't my like immediate peer group. Yeah. Ah, for sure. I know that I, for one, am am missing seeing all the people at hockey who I otherwise wouldn't. Um, So having these touch points and check-ins has been really awesome. So um, obviously you study psychology and and are on the mental health committee at Camberwell. Have you found that those two things have translated into real-life scenarios? It's really good to sort of translate, like, textbooky and, like, very academic knowledge to real life. I think hockey's a good like application of it because it's kind of it's like you know like the hobby the outside event um I think one of the sort of applications that I've been trying to do is like continuing the conversation and having a conversation beyond um also like taking it beyond the initial like hi are you okay sort of thing um making sure there's a conversation keeps going and not so much like, oh, we have to talk about mental health all the time, but just sort of like knowing that it's there and um, 
if you like there's people that understand and can help and have also like lived through it I guess um sort of just like knowing that that's there and the support and understanding I think is a really big thing for me at least yeah I think that's been a really common theme today um in an instance where you do notice change in a teammate or a friend or anyone really either inside or outside of the club um just having a conversation and being open can be a really big step to helping. Have you found this to be the case through your own journey? Yeah, um, it's like it's kind of that thing again. It's it's nice to have like a social support and like group outside the like I guess outside my like normal peer group as well because there's kind of like all sorts of people you play hockey with. Like you're not. Um, locked into like here's my fellow students in my same unit and all of that is it's I find it really nice to sort of have a, like a variety of people that's there that I can talk to um and just sort of uh um obviously like exercise is really good for like your mental health and stuff like just sort of like getting out and I like um for me it's a good like anchor like a grounding thing it's like there's something like this happens every week and here's a thing to look forward to and here's this and it's sort of like actually doing it is a really good grounding thing for me. It's like, you know, focus on sort of like the physical experience of playing hockey rather than like all the anxiety in my head and stuff. Um, But yeah, I think probably a really big thing is just the variety of like different social connections and people that you meet. If we can rewind back to a time that we were allowed to play hockey how have you found developing social networks at the hockey club uh, knowing that you're involved in a diverse range of roles at our club uh, have you found that to be helpful on the social side as well yeah I think it's been good obviously like you know kind of in, I've obviously had like a lot of like ups and downs of my mental health so um there's there's been some points where it's been like not great to be honest and it's kind of like um like, I know people mean well, but sometimes you get people just sort of being like, oh, just don't think about it. Like, you know, just be confident, I guess, especially in goals. It's kind of like, well, if you're nervous about side tackling someone, just don't be. And I'm like, I I appreciate the sentiment, but like, you know, easier said than done. But so there's like, you know, got to be honest, there's stuff like that. But otherwise it's, yeah, it's nice to just get out of the bubble. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully, as the mental health conversation progresses and we can increase the number of our mental health first aiders, um, we can hopefully steer away from the, oh, just don't worry about it, because that's probably not a particularly helpful insight, I don't imagine. Yeah, and it's like, I, I get where they're coming from, but it's sort of like, well, if I if I didn't worry about it, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have an issue, you know? And if it was um, as simple as not worrying about it, then no one would worry about it, would they? Um, but if we do see a change in someone, what can we do to help them? I think it's obviously it's very important to I think it's ask the sort of like initial question like, or you know like, hey like how are you doing? I don't know. I'm not the most tactful person of this because I'm all like caught up in the psych jargon. But you know like so I think have the initial conversation, um, and I think it's important to focus on like listening to somebody because everybody's experience with mental health is like very very different and 
at least I find myself getting very overwhelmed very quickly if a lo- if people sort of start being like, oh, well, you could do this and this and this and this and this. It's like, I think it's important to focus on listening and keeping the conversation going, but just sort of knowing somewhat both your boundaries and someone else's boundaries. Like, I think it's totally understandable if someone's having like a mental health like crisis, if you don't feel like you're, you know, qualified or like up for dealing with that because, you know, you're not a psychologist or whatever. But also knowing the other person's boundaries, like if I have specific triggers or something like that. But I think just try to like make it known that like you're there, you support them, you understand them, like, and you're focused on helping them, not sort of also helping yourself as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, and making sure you just, like, check in every now and again. It's, like, you don't have to be, I don't think, well, in my experience, I don't think you have to be, like, oh, you know, how is your mental health, like, every second day? But just sort of, I guess it's just maintaining that presence of, like, you know, I'm here if you need something. Like I under, like I empathize slash understand, and but also knowing when you've done all you can, and you know, knowing that you can refer someone to like a crisis support or um other like professional resource because there's only so much you can do yourself. I think, and it's not. If someone's really having a crisis, I think, like, it's not your friend's job to necessarily, like, get them out of that crisis. It's, like, possibly, like, your friend's job to support you and be there for you. But at the end of the day, like, that's what professionals are there for. So, knowing knowing boundaries, I think, is also, like, a really big thing. And listening and just just being there, yeah. I think that's definitely come across really strongly in today's conversations. Um, if you're not a mental health first aid or, or even if you are, your job isn't to solve these issues that someone's having, it's just to be supportive. So we shouldn't try to make all the difference and just be a friend. Yeah. Um, I think also, even if you're not like a mental health first aid or you haven't done like a psych degree or something, I think like don't be afraid to have a conversation as well. Like you don't necessarily need to be an expert in all things mental illnesses to just be a good like ally or supporter. And I think like some of the people for me that are my best like, you know, supports and friends when I'm having like a really bad time, like Loki, like they know nothing about mental health, but they're just like, I just know that they're there and they're, like, here to empathise and they're here to listen when I need it. They're not going to try and, you know, list out diagnosis for me or they're not going to try and solve the problems. And, yeah, you know, probably most of the time I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about, but it's just, like, they're there, you know? Don't be afraid to have the conversation. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a really in-depth conversation, but don't be afraid to have that conversation if it's needed and just be a be a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen you know for sure well we're certainly looking forward to getting back all together and being allowed to play um physical exercise is something that i've that i know a lot of people have been using just to get through this year have you found that and how have you managed to break up all the intense study period 
like a little bit, but definitely not as much. And I've definitely noticed that sort of has impacted me, like um, my mental health a lot. Um, I've definitely had some like very low points, especially this year and in lockdown, because it's kind of like usually it'd be like, okay, on, you know, like Tuesday and Thursday from like 6.30 to 8.00, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, this is my time where it's like, I go out, like I do the thing, I get to, you know, kick things and then I come home and I like go to bed. It's kind of the routine, the change in routine, like really affected me. And also just like not seeing people, like it's sad to just sort of sit at home and, um, it's like great, my new friends are excellent, but it's kind of like, oh, I miss I miss people I played hockey with. Like and the fact that they're, you know, as you said, like some people are studying, some people are working, some you know, there's all sorts of things. It's like I miss just talking to different people who are in different life stages. You've been listening to the Camberwell Hockey Podcast. We'd like to send a big thank you to our hosting team, our guests, and you the listener for your support. If you enjoy the show, please give us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is recorded and produced by Camberwell Hockey Club in Melbourne, Australia. If you have any feedback, comments or questions, please find us on Twitter at Camberwell underscore HC or see more information on our website, camberwell.hockey.com.